everyone. During this podcast, we'll be previewing findings from the HRO Today third quarter technology report, and then with our two guests, focusing in on the TA component of HR technology. I'm Larry Bassinet, Vice President of Market Research with Shared Expertise, the publishers of HRO Today, organizers of the HRO Today forums, and events managers of the HRO Today Association. This report and this podcast is sponsored by Cielo. With me today are two of Cielo's finest, uh, Elaine Orler, Senior Vice President, Technology Consulting, and Matt Jones, Executive Vice President, Global Business Services. Welcome, Elaine and Matt. Thank you. We're excited to be here. So just real quick, I'm going to go over some numbers that we're seeing, some highlights from the third quarter technology report, the sponsored report that Cielo does. And I want to make sure I hit it because it shows just an enormous amount of investment going on in HR this year. This is just from the third quarter alone. There was 224 major announcements worldwide, meaning over a million dollars. That's up 50% over the prior quarter, which was up over the quarter before that. Most of that was in the terms of funding. 111 of those announcements were funding. 64 of those were mergers and acquisition, the other 49 being in product. So all that means is that dollar-wise, it was $22.7 billion US, that's billion with a B, which is absolutely astronomical. 15.6 of that, or about two-thirds of that, was mergers and acquisition, and the other was investment. Just a ton of money, I think it's safe to say, being put into HR technology here this quarter. And and for the year, it's probably going to be twice that by the time we're done. It's just enormous. That $22.7 billion is five times what went into the second quarter, which was just over $4 billion. So a huge, huge upward slope on this thing. How that breaks down in terms of the products being made, HCM or core technology, $1.6 billion. And part of that includes recruiting. So you add in another section for marketplace job boards, you've got another $400 million or $2 billion in this, this area. So that kind of transitions over to what we're going to discuss here today, the TA component of technology and the market and how it's affecting that. So our discussion is going to focus on TA, but let's set the stage right now for what's happening in the recruiting recruiting market. And I'll go to Elaine first on that, just some, some thoughts on, on what you're seeing right now. Oh, great. Thank you, Larry. And I think to start things off, definitely seeing the investment numbers that you just described as astronomical. And I think the new investments in point solutions and the products that are coming into market and to bear are helping to start to solve for some of those challenging equations in talent acquisition. But I also am starting to see the same trend you just referenced, which are some of the acquisitions or some of the mergers happening in the marketplace. There are plenty of transactions that are happening, and I think are going to take us well into next year in to um, a lot of new technology to evaluate and figure out how it fits within our overall ecosystem for technology. Matt, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I do. And again, excited to see the amount of investment going into solving the challenges we see in the marketplace right now. It's pretty unique. As Elaine said, all those new point solutions are actually meaning that we're seeing greater and deeper efforts in consolidation of all of those different point solutions into this kind of platform mentality, this cell phone and app approach to HR technology. So if you've invested in the large HCM platforms, what does the marketplace look like? And how can you augment um, some of the ERP tools with 
agile, effective sourcing tools or, or other point solutions that are specific to your space. The acquisitions in some, some way being driven by provider A being able to then add upstream and downstream functionality and components, again, sort of consolidating on that platform approach. So I think we're going to see more of that. I think the smart TA functions who are buying direct and the smart providers are going to continue to, um, to do that. And just a note on the flip side, which is the candidate market or just the market in general for recruiting right now, I think we can't escape the press in terms of how tough it is out there right now and some of the stats we see. Yeah. I've been doing this for around 20 years and I've really never seen a market like this in all regions and all segments at the same time. And so as a TA professional or HR professional nowadays, you know, the challenge is to win your unfair share because there is not a fair share out there of talent that we need. In the U.S., the job openings here at the end of last month, 10.9 million. And I've seen that the U.K. number, I don't remember what it was, but it was proportionately the same of just huge in terms of what the normal expectation would be. I would add into there too, what's fascinating about happening with the number of jobs available is there are several reports that just in the last couple of months, there's an average of 4 million people resigning from their jobs monthly. Oh. Now, so there's a lot of movement between the candidates, between those that are leaving opportunities for potentially better opportunities or leaving the workforce altogether for some reason or another. And Elaine, I, I just expanding on that, I don't think we've yet seen the full extent of, I'm going to go further than the great resignation and talk about the great reshuffle. All of these people that took a satisfactory role or, a, or actually an unsatisfactory role in the depth of the pandemic, I think there's still a couple more quarters at least, if not a couple of halves uh, in that great reshuffle as well. So I think uh, this market's here to stay, certainly for the foreseeable. Agree. Now, Matt, you used the phrase, when you're unfair share, we're going to discuss improvements in innovation and talent sourcing technology from two points of view here. The first will be uncovering the value add from the recruiter side, and I'll flip it over and say, we'll talk about the value add candidate side. So first area, what do we think about speed of market? I can jumpstart this and I might just flip your order a little bit and start with the candidate discussion. Okay. On the speed of the market, I think, from a candidate perspective today is really driving uh, the way in which organizations have to capture awareness and attention. We're seeing, again, more and more organizations pushing to that first line of capture, that first line of interest, making that point of entry as simple and as quickly as possible in order to collect that interest. If a candidate introduced with a, here's 15 steps to apply and three assessments you have to take, they're abandoning those processes more than ever to take on the, the simplified model where there's an easier point of entry in order to express their interest into those opportunities and then stage the way in which they want to interact in order to get to that point of validation. Just adding from what we're seeing on the recruiter side there, I think actually the speed of market is forcing recruiters to have greater discipline uh, and recruiting departments have greater discipline in how they're kind of systematically moving through the engagement, the connection, and, and just the sort of sub-cycles involved in recruiting. That actually has a candidate experience benefit because it's forcing us to make sure that we do speak to everybody and we do reach out to everyone and people do get feedback and we are kind of expedient. And, and where we're seeing organizations win is where technology enables you to really augment your recruiting approach. So it puts those candidates in front of you that you need to speak to next or need to speak to first, uh, allows you to kind of clean up your communication and make sure that we're reaching out to everyone involved. And also coming back to that platform play, allowing us to bring all candidates into a single location to engage with so that actually that engagement can be, you know, fast and effective and actually just meet some of the experience expectations that we see out there in the market. So a real shift from days of old when the thought process was always that the candidate is interested enough in the job, he'll jump through all the hoops that we want to throw at them and fill out what we ask. 
hundred percent. Maybe a few years ago, there were subsets of your talent pool that would do that. I think right now, you have a real risk if you do that with any part of your organization. You, you need to be out in front of those candidates and being transparent and open about recruiting process and also just getting back to them. And it wasn't that long ago, we were the other way around, that it shifted so quickly that the candidate owns their own journey now versus, you know, the flip side where the recruiter has an ability or the business has an ability to put in a lot more toll gates and and steps in the process to filter candidates. It is truly the reverse economy right now from a candidate perspective. Well, and that, that, Elaine, I think is driving the consumer grade experience that we're seeing now in, in some of the tools available in market. And I know we're going to talk about some of those, but just, yeah. you know, the Amazon experience, Amazon Prime experience of recruiting. How do we allow people to choose their adventure when it comes to interacting with an organization? And how do we allow them to have, you know, 24-7 access to, uh, to an organization when thinking about getting hired there? Well, let's talk about that a bit in some of the tools. There's there's conversational AI. So let's discuss how that's making things better in the process. I think of conversational AI kind of nested in your application process or in your career sites or out there in the in the advertising space. It's just operationally a way of just kind of reaching and engaging with more people in the top of the funnel and giving access to candidates to and applicants and people who don't know their candidates yet to kind of interact and ask questions and get answers and really identify if this is the right type of organization for them and also find out a little bit more about what to expect in the recruiting process. It's that real virtual assistant and concierge experience at the start of the recruiting process where it's just not possible to speak to the top of funnel 5,000, 10,000, 100,000 candidates that move through interactions with your organization each day or each week or each month or each year. Truly the same. And I think from the candidate perspective, that virtual assistant model, I think there's some misconceptions that that's only useful in high volume or hourly based workforce where we're starting to see that across all lines of recruiting, that there's a value proposition to that assistant, whether it be just navigating through what jobs exist and how to best fit against those jobs, or whether it be the entire process of I clicked a QR code while walking out of the store and I'm already scheduled for an interview to come back into the store in 15 minutes. So things of the speed and the agility that happens with these virtual assistants just allow for the organization to work through that kind of relationship with the candidates in a way, again, that candidates desire, but also achieving the company's goals of getting the information they need to make decisions quickly. Would you say that speed and agility are the key parts of making conversational AI optimal? I would say speed, agility, but I would also say quality in there because the interaction that's happening is creating a higher quality data point or a higher quality activity for both parties, like the company as well as the candidate on the information needed to make a quicker decision. Let's go on to another tool, uh, SMS usage. So smartphone rather use in the US, it's nearly universal. It's like 85% and it's pretty close to that in the UK and much of Western Europe as well. So almost everybody that has it and the younger you are, the more likely you are to be uh, attached to a uh, smartphone. So how is uh, SMS usage going to play out here? I would also sort of put in parentheses, WhatsApp, WeChat, depending on the market you're in. But essentially, it's the mobile device-based communication and and quick communication, whether that's for outreach activity in order to schedule somebody for an interview, whether it's for, you know, a quick screener because someone's clicked a QR code, as Elaine was describing earlier. It is orders of magnitude faster. And we've seen some results. We've seen what's happening in organizations. You're talking about 18 minutes or so to get somebody scheduled if you're leveraging an SMS or WhatsApp-based approach 
versus north of 24 hours using traditional kind of email outreach. And it kind of makes sense to your stats you were just talking about, Larry, but also just we walk around with these things in our hands all day. Scheduling an interview or scheduling some time to speak to somebody is a relatively straightforward transaction. Why do you need to log into your Gmail or your Hotmail in a break or in the evening or when you have time at the weekend to accept or choose a particular time to have a conversation with somebody. So I think we're just seeing that consumer grade experience coming over into TA to speed up the process and, and really you know, turn what doesn't need to be a lengthy, overly formal interaction into something that you can do really quickly in, in a moment. And there's no doubt, you know, with more folks working virtually, that's made life a little easier as well because there's no concerns around folks having cell phones at desks in certain organizations anymore. It's, it's right in front of you. So I would add, I'm a digital immigrant based on how I came into understanding technology and the fact that we used to live in a lifetime where there was no cell phone or digital assistant tool. But the digital natives today, those that have been raised on these types of products, expect the same kind of interaction today. The expectation of just having traveled internationally, everything came as a text message to my phone. I had apps on my phone that would allow me to, to clear through immigration, to get my flight ticket and boarding pass were all on my phone. So it's just native to those in the workforce today to now see these products and applications across the board. So it's also gravitationally required for recruiting as well to be able to interact again at the point in time where a candidate is ready for that information or can take on and take an action to that information. Even the example from a global perspective of WeChat and some of these other tools that are are really necessary in order for interactions to happen globally, I think are going to continue to be a forefront of where we're going to go with recruiting technology. I think we've kind of been hitting around this next topic a bit, but let's just put it out there so that we cover it well, because obviously it's a huge part of TA recruiting technology, and that's candidate engagement. Elaine, you were on a roll here, so I'm just going to come back to you on that one. Again, going back to a couple of things that we've said, but just looking forward, candidates own their journey. And so their interaction and engagement needs to be something that helps to initiate for them that response process that we need so desperately. We need them to respond to a time in which they can schedule an interview. They need the ability to make changes to that schedule or make modifications based on what's happening within their calendar. But I think as we improve those engagement models, we have a better opportunity of making sure that we're the organizations to be the least ghosted by candidates later in the process. So that that interaction, that communication, I think there's opportunities for more information and awareness to happen. The prep activities that can happen from a candidate perspective of just being able to know what to do and what to expect can all be done through the conversational virtual assistant tools, through SMS messaging, through short links to the webpage content where the content is mobile or device enabled so that it's legible based on the device that you're using. But we're fast moving away from the fact that somebody has to be at a desktop and a large monitor screen in order to perform other activities. But there is a gap right now in the market, I think, between all of these activities and opportunities that we have and the ultimate application submission form, where we're still seeing some of those engagement pieces who have this great experience up front. But when you have to hit the apply button, you're back to, you know, 10 years ago, eight years ago, apply mechanisms that still need to be advanced. But that engagement layer is one of those pieces we can now measure for where there's abandonment rates, where there are disconnects with the candidate expectations and start to improve on those much more quickly. I just would add, so I agree with everything Elaine said and just would add a couple more sentiments here really. I think 
choosing your next career or job is still a kind of deeply emotional and human experience. So when we think about the digital tools that are out there and some of the techniques we've been talking about, they're really all in the service of speeding up or giving more access to pieces of the process that don't necessarily need to be create emotional engagement or have a kind of deep human experience. We still see the largest number, larger percentage of employers uh, making sure that there is an engagement phone call to create that emotional connection between a recruiter and a candidate, or at the very least, you wouldn't expect to you know, be selected or start a job without having met your line manager, even if it's as you're starting <laughs> your first day. So I think the other thing to think about here is we're not trying to remove humans from the process. We're trying to improve on the kind of human experience by allowing people to A, choose their adventure and B, to kind of automate, speed up and improve the kind of non-human experiences to allow more time for those emotional connections in other parts of the process. And I think when you get that balance right, that's how, you know, we see organizations again winning their unfair share when it comes to talent based on great candidate engagement. Elaine mentioned something here. Is there a better way to fix the part of the process where it's now entered the last job you work for, entered the dates, the text field kind of stuff? Because it all comes to a screeching halt there often. There are numerous ways to improve upon that from the data collection is a staged process, either like, again, through the virtual assistant or through the tools now that will extract that information from whatever information you choose to provide. So often we're still dependent on the resume or the CV, where in fact, we're leveraging less and less of that information due to some of the biased natures that it can bring forward to looking at a LinkedIn profile or a tell me more about the work you've done, skills-based builder tools. I've seen a number of these in the last couple of months that are starting to to re- redesign what that minimal information is that's needed in order to make a decision. By those factors, you mean things that would allude to, say, race or religion or gender, something like that, or age, right? Yeah, well, there's depending on how the, the information is being brokered for who's making those decisions, we see a lot more tools that are pushing forward to do more of a scoring based on skills and competencies or values on the resume versus name, location, or the institution they might have gotten their degree from, or the specific company in which they work for. So as we're looking for what is really relevant to the job, to the right match for that person for the job, we're seeing a better, a better line of quality matching from that perspective versus the legacy way of doing things. And the old school models were to review the whole resume. And if there was an affinity to the school they went to, then you might see more of those candidates proceed. And so those are the unconscious types of bias pieces that get brought into the decisioning that I think are being ruled out more and more with the technology that we have available today. Speaking of candidate engagement, and one of the ways to do that is through chatbots. Let's talk a little bit about chatbots. I think we've we've actually skirted around the edge of this a bit when we talked about conversational AI and virtual assistants. They really are the same thing. I think what we need to think about, again, is is the candidate journey and the experience and making information accessible 24-7. So if you think about your consumer experience today, if you make an order or you're waiting for an update from a financial institution, you can typically access that information at any time of the week, any time of the day, thing before you go to sleep at night, first thing you wake up in the morning. And I think that's where the virtual assistants really come in again is to be able to uh, enrich your experience when interacting with an organization about a vacancy or just inquiring about a career. So just giving people the opportunity, candidates and prospective candidates, the opportunity to find information quicker, 
We see a lot of organizations now nesting virtual assistants, chatbots in career sites because we've built these very large, complex career sites which have tons of information in. But if you're not willing to click seven or eight different links, you can't get to that information about what leadership is like in the south of France or what the diversity strategy is in the southeast of the US. So actually having the virtual assistants help with kind of find and retrieve type activities for information is is very useful. And then basic kind of FAQs as well. Some of the most successful or the most asked questions that we see uh, when interacting with these kind of tools is, what should I wear for my interview? Back in the day when we were in front of people a lot more, but that's still relevant. And can I park? (laughs) Again, back in the day, we were in front of people. And then where am I in the process, right? Tell me, is my pizza ready? Is my order dispatched? Is whatever the analogy is. So I think, again, giving access to that relatively straightforward information that can be pulled from systems and or is kind of cash FAQ information is really useful in in driving that experience. We've covered a lot of ground, very wide area here. So thank you both for taking the time to do that and provide some remarkable insight into what's happening right now. We have another podcast coming up this winter, and I wanted to just preview that by looking ahead a little bit. We're going to focus more on retaining more than your fair share, which obviously recruiting is a part of that. If you root the right people, it's a lot easier to retain them. But that's the area that we're going to focus here this winter. Elaine Orler, Matt Jones, thank you very much for joining us today. And we'll talk to you soon. Take care. You too. Thank you, Larry.